Well, welcome back to It's Okay to Love Yourself. My name is Catherine and I'm your host and I'm joined by Katie Warner. Hi, Katie. Thanks for being here. Hi, thank you for having me. Of course. Um, I'm really excited to talk to Katie because um, when we connected, she told me that she's kind of been through this evolution and at one point um, thought self-love was a lie. <laughs> so maybe Katie, we can start there it's a little bit about that time in your life. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's, well, I mean, as you said, the word evolution is a great, is a great word. Um, but I think my journey was kind of almost like an inverted bell curve, maybe where in the beginning I had tons of self-love and I felt Mm -hmm. super about myself. And then one thing led to another, and I don't think it was anything, um, intentional, but I, you know, over time you come as a kid, you, you tend to associate um, different things with different meanings and it may not be the meaning that the adults around you are intending, but that's what you pick up. And that's exactly what happened. I associated my um, good girlness, being a good girl, getting good grades and being kind and all of these things with being lovable. And mm. the way that I had evidence before me that I wasn't a good student. In other words, it was, um, I think we discussed this, the day where I had to spell elephant in school and I could not spell it right. All of a sudden I thought I wasn't smart anymore. And I immediately made that mean that I wasn't lovable. Mm -hmm. And from there, I just kept finding more and more evidence that I didn't measure up and that I wasn't good enough. And I spent decades trying to check all the boxes, trying to be the good student, trying to go to college, trying to have the right marriage and the right home and doing all of the things that the messages around me were saying would be the right things. And then when I had enough boxes checked, I would feel lovable and I would love myself and I would have sort of permission to love myself because I had checked all the right boxes, you know, um, in, in terms of body image and loving my body and losing the weight and being the athlete or, you know, all of these different societal messages that I just interpreted to mean when you do this, you get to love yourself. And Mm. I did them all. And I had four kids and I had, a marriage that didn't, you know, didn't last forever and all of these different things until I finally was like, wait a minute, what if I'm looking at this all wrong? Like, what if this is not how it is? And, and I discovered these sort of seven principal beliefs that I was holding on to that I was structuring my own self-love around. And they were false beliefs. They weren't the keys to self-love that I thought they were. And those are the things that I talk about in this little mini ebook that I have that I wrote. I mean, it's, it's a tiny little thing. It probably takes 30 minutes to read the whole thing, you know, but it's these seven beliefs that I see women all around me buying into just the same way that I did that. These are, these are the things you do. And when you, when you master these things you get your certificate of self-love and you get to love yourself forever and yeah yeah it worked but I really got to a point where I was like this must just be crap like self-love this must be for somebody else it's either a complete lie or 
I'm not qualified. Yeah. I don't get to, I don't get to have that certificate. And it was, that's a really defeating place to be, right? Like, I was like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like when you were at that point, it's a, and, and I know like from looking at the ebook, it's like, it sounds like it's more just the self-love is, is a lie in that sense of it's this place that we get to and that we achieve it through our external, uh, like just anything external from us, whether it's the marriage, whether it's the body, whether it's the career, um, it's, which I'm totally a hundred percent in agreement with you on. It's like, that's the way we're taught, especially as women is we get our worth from who our partner is and our house and our career and, you know, all these external things, what we look like. That's, I mean, that's a huge one. (laughs) Um, and, and it's like, I think it's, it's all, I know I had my moment of realization, you know, when I started to get those external things that I thought would make me happy and I still wasn't. And it's like, what the hell? Like, this is supposed to be what I'm supposed to do. Um, one thing I want to go back to quickly, you said at the beginning that I loved was like, you had it when you were really young and you, you felt like you, you, you could remember that time of like, not caring about anything and ha- and feeling that sense of self-love. Tell me a little bit more about that. How young were you? What do you remember about that time? I'll give you, I'll give you an example of like an actual experience that kind of sums it all up in one little anecdote. When I was in kindergarten, so five years old, um, it was picture day at school. And my dad was put in charge of dressing me for school. And in my dad's infinite wisdom, he let me pick out whatever I wanted to wear. Yeah. And so I had my school picture taken in this. Now remember, this was 1980 when this <laughs> picture was taken. So my <laughs> school picture was taken in a pair of teal blue or teal green overalls and a mint green t-shirt that had a giant Supergirl logo on the front of it. And I was like, Supergirl, yes, like this is every, that was my favorite outfit. I walked (laughs) through my whole day, like I was completely untouchable. And when my mom came home from work, she was like, oh my God, is that what you wore in a picture day? And I was like, yes, isn't this great? And she was like, like I could see it in her face, like, I'm not crushing this, but oh my God, where is the dress that I wanted her to wear? You know, she didn't say it. Yeah. She did not burst my bubble, but I could see it in her face. You know, that was not enough in that moment to deter me. But that's how I felt. Like, I remember feeling like that. I didn't care. I didn't, I did what I wanted. I talked to whom I wanted to talk to. I, you know, I had no shame, no shame about my body, no shame about my choices nothing and yeah Yeah. felt like it was just like this is me you you know this is this is me and I'm it's not even on my radar to worry about whether or not you accept me because I accept me and so it didn't even occur to me to worry about whether other people were okay with what I was doing just didn't occur to me wasn't in my wasn't in in my repertoire of things to think about at all whatsoever. Mm. Yeah. I love that story. I think that it's so 
amazing that you remember and that you can really tap into those feelings because I do believe, and, and I've heard other people talk about this too, of that we're not born judging our bodies. And, you know, we all, we learn that as we get older and, uh, someone I look up to a lot, like Sonia Renee Taylor, um, who wrote the body is not an apology. She was just on a podcast or something and said, you know, have you ever seen a toddler that hates their thighs? Like, no, they, they love, they're like in wonder and awe of their body. Um, and it's like, I think when, if for anyone listening, I just want to challenge you to think about, can you remember a time when you were really young? And I think kindergarten, I'm, I'm having a few thoughts about my own like being five and like, it's that uninhibited feeling where you just don't really understand the societal pressures or norms at that point. And so you just, you just naturally connect with what feels good to you. It's like, you are born with that sense of self-trust and intuition of like, this looks good to me. It's comfortable. I want to wear it. I feel good in it. Um, and like how, you know, how great that we get to come back to that as adults and remember what that was like, and then choose, to let go of all the bullshit that we're taught to care about that doesn't really matter. Yeah. And it, it, it is a choice. And that was a piece that took me a really long time to wrap my head around was that because these beliefs, they get so ingrained in our head that we can't even extrapolate them from who we are. You know, we don't, yeah. we don't realize that the beliefs can be separate to who we are. They, they're just so practiced that it feels like as much a part of me as my hair or my skin. And when I started to first hear people talk about choose your beliefs or think different thoughts, I was like, screw that. That's the biggest crock of shit I've ever heard. Like you can't choose that <laughs> stuff, but you can. And, and I had to get to that place where I was ready to hear it and ready to implement it. And once I did, I started seeing, and it was a slow, and for me, it was a slow, arduous process in the beginning where I would find myself going, oh, I can't wear that, or I can't do that, or I can't say no, I can't this. And then I had this justification in my head and it was catching myself going, oh wait, actually I can, I can wear that. I can say no. I can do it this way. I don't have to clean my house before my parents come over. I can leave it messy. Like, and most of the time, especially in the beginning, it was catching myself after the fact. It was in reflection. When I was would allow myself to reflect, I would go, oh, I did it again. Oh, that's, yeah, yeah. I, I put myself there. I, I took my own choice away. I didn't let myself have a choice then. And so when I would, when I was able to catch it in reflection after the fact, then over time, I kept, I was able to catch it midway through or, you know, and then eventually I got to the place where now most of the time I will, I will grab an awareness of what's going on with myself before I put any action into place so I can get out in front of it but that didn't happen overnight. It took a long yeah. time and a lot of practice because by the yeah. time I started on this, I was 40 by the time. So that's four decades of practicing one way. You don't just stop on a dime and turn around. You gotta, you know, you gotta slowly put the brakes on and then turn the car into another direction or whatever, you know, like yeah. it, it, 
that would be like quite a quite a jolt to just slam the brake on and throw it in reverse. <laughs> that doesn't work well with your transmission. I can assure you that. But um, it's yeah. It, and so I would say, like, I think that's one of the things that I really feel strongly about imparting on other women is that you have to be willing to have grace with yourself through this process, especially the older you are and the more practiced beliefs you have. And it's not about age, but it is about the amount of time that you've been practicing the beliefs because yeah. they, they become more set, you know, the, the longer you practice them, the more momentum they have. So then the older you are, the more grace you have to have with yourself by going, Oh yeah, I did it again, but not beating yourself up about it. Like, mm -hmm. Oh, thank you for this awareness. That's a blessing to have this awareness after the fact. And then it really will start. You will start to become aware during, and then preemptively, it, you know, it really does work that way, mm -hmm. but you got to love yourself through it. <laughs> hard sometimes. Totally. Totally that explanation of how you begin to identify with the behavior and how second nature it becomes has is so true in my experience too and it's i just want to highlight that for folks listening of of it's it's almost like this process of like inserting yourself as the mediator between how the outside world's responding to you and then how you how you respond. It's almost like inserting, at least this is how it's felt for me, like putting myself back in that equation and not just acting or responding in a way that I think is going to get a positive um, outcome or a positive response from the people around me, from society. It's almost, it's almost like that building in more of that awareness to say, wait a minute, I'm me myself not just you know Catherine who's been living this life and has gotten this far like what do I really want and what really feels good to me not just what I think people are gonna accept or praise or think is good or lovable like I think it's really it's hard to do that when you see yourself as just that person who's like it's like that reactive responsiveness um yeah. And so I think that I love the way that you explain that because I think it's so real and you're going to mess up. And the longer you've had that belief and operated in that way, it's, it's going to take time, you know, it doesn't happen overnight. And I think that's important to acknowledge as well. Yeah. And that was something that frustrated me in the beginning was because I thought that now that I know, like now that I know the facts, I should be able to just plug it in like an equation. I should just be able to plug it in and solve for X and call it a day. And energy doesn't work that way. And our, our thoughts and our beliefs are nothing more than a, a sort of translation of energetic frequency, just the way our eyes translate images or, you know, our eyes translate photons and, and waves and make a vision, our, our bodies and our minds translate our thoughts and our beliefs they're just an energetic frequency and that's how energy works it doesn't stop on a diamond like turn around it takes time it does build momentum like any other kind of frequency that moves through the universe you know and I know like I'm getting I'm getting out there into the quantum world but it's true and it one of that was one of the things that helped me visualize it better because if I can have a picture of it in my head 
then I can lock into it a lot better. I'm super, super visual like that. And um, getting to that place where I could be like, going from why, am, why I, you know, I know what to do, why am I not doing it? And understanding, well, this is why you're not doing it the first time. Like, give yourself a break, you know? And there's part of me that wants to be like, no, no breaks for you. You have to do it right. Like, no, no, no. And, you know, just practicing, just loving myself through it and, and being willing to take radical responsibility for the fact that this is my work. No one is coming to do this work for me. And if I want what I say I want, I have to be willing to do the work. And that includes being gentle with myself. And that includes dusting myself off every time I screw it up and getting right back in the game. It's not for the faint of heart, you know? I can sit here and look back and say, it's much easier to just put the blinders on and go with the status quo and complain to my girlfriends about the rolls in my stomach and complain about how every man is an asshole and complain about how my kids don't clean up. Like it's so much easier to just stay in that place and not do the work. It's not for the faint of heart, but oh my God, is it worth it? When you can get up in the morning and be like, like, Stand in front of a full length mirror and look at yourself naked and be like, goddess, absolute goddess. Like, there's nothing like that. It's so powerful. It's so powerful. And it is an entire, complete game changer. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Your point about there's not a formula is, is so true too of like, <laughs> there, like, I think it's, it's, it's so tempting to want to follow someone's plan. And, and that's so many of the things that we are taught to chase externally, right? Like, like with dating or with our career or with, with dieting, like they sell us that formula. Like what are, what are the steps? What exactly do we need to do to get to this outcome? And you're so right that there's no plan. It's you have to figure it out on your own. Like there's no one size fits all plan. It's, it's going to be unique for every single person. And it's hard. It's hard to figure that out because you can't rely on logic all the time. You can't rely on someone else telling you exactly what to do. It's really that journey of your own self-discovery and letting yourself, letting yourself guide you in terms of how you want to feel and what you want to change in your life. And, and that, that story at the end that you were telling about being able to get up in the morning and look at yourself and not have those thoughts of nitpicking yourself. And Mm -hmm. that's so powerful. And that's so, that's, that's the goal. And as someone who's gone through a whole (laughs) journey about that too, it's like, I think you can attest as well. Like it's something you want everyone to feel once you get there, it's like, Oh my God, why doesn't everyone live this way? It's incredible. Yes, It's so true. It's so true. And I think, God, like if I had a, if I had a dollar for every time I was sucked into that I have the blueprint for you. I have the, follow these steps, three simple steps. And that's ironic because I actually have like a, a PDF that I created called three simple ways to manifest on purpose. But everything I teach is especially, you know, the farther along I've gotten in my coaching journey, 
everything I teach is not a formula. It's intentionally, it's not a formula. It's not a step-by-step. It's not a, a blueprint or nothing. It's a, this is what worked for me. This is why it worked. How can you take what I've learned and apply it to your life? Take what works, leave the rest, you know, tweak it, whatever you got to do, but it's, it's not one size fits all, but we are so conditioned that to believe that the answer lies outside of us because, you know, and we're buying into the blueprints and the diets and the formulas and all this stuff. And I think what happens when we're so immersed in that culture, in that way of thinking is it desensitizes us from our own emotions. And when we can shut out the noise and stop looking for the blueprint or the formula and start to just tune into how we feel, that's where the real guidance is that's where the real knowledge lies is is how do I feel Mm. how does this make me feel Mm. but we're desensitized from our own emotions you know in a huge way we're as women we're taught to not be so emotional to not be so sensitive to you know look to answers from other people who know more than we do nobody knows more than you no one I don't know more than I how could I know more about you than you do but we're not practicing listening to ourselves either. You know, somewhere deep down inside, going like a crazy person, and I use this because it's a personal example, but cleaning my house like an insane person before my parents come over, screaming at everyone, shoving stuff in drawers, throwing things in closets, sliding stuff under the bed, putting all of the dishes in the dishwasher, not stacked and nice, just throwing shit in there and closing it so that all you see is the nice dishwasher on the outside these are my parents like for crying out loud you know and but it's just that like this fear of judgment and I'm so out of touch with my own emotions that I'm not even aware that I have this fear of judgment I don't even feel the fear I just know that this is what I do it's automatic and it takes some practice and some grace to tune in and feel that fear and be like, oh, I'm afraid they're going to judge me. That means I can stop doing this if I can stop being afraid that they're going to judge me or maybe not stop being afraid, but maybe just put less importance on their opinion, you know, whatever it is. But it's like our emotions are our inner self. We have the answers. We're just not taught to listen to them or we're conditioned out of listening to them, I think is more accurate. Mm -hmm. How did you begin that journey of tuning back into those emotions and going from letting the external things guide you in that direction versus trusting yourself and using that as your compass? Yeah. So it was, it was a two, it was, there were two facets that kind of coincided or two experiences that coincided that really brought me to that place. One was, um, I was, I had gone through a program uh, at Institute of Integrational Nutrition, Institute of Integrative Nutrition, where I was getting my coaching certification. And part of that program was learning about spirituality. And part of that included meditation and inner guidance. And 
faith in a higher power, whatever that may be. So that was the first time I was really like face to face with that concept of meditating, tuning in, trusting a higher power. And it felt good to me, although it was brand new, it's, it felt good. So I kind of continued to dabble in that. Simultaneously, I was raising four kids by myself. I was working for a nonprofit agency doing amazing work that I loved, but it's nonprofit, right? You know, I wasn't making bank. Doing this yeah. <laughs> and so I had financial struggles. I had four kids that I was raising and taking care of. I had, you know, my ex-husband and, and my youngest son's dad that were part of the mix and not always the most supportive relationships for me. I had an intense fear of judgment of my, from my family. You know, I was the only one doing the things that I was doing in my entire family. I was the only one, in my opinion, screwing it all up right? I was the one that always needed help. I always needed the bailout. So I was in this emotionally and physically exhausting, depleted end of my rope place. And I had this new knowledge of spirituality and faith and meditation and tapping in to my inner guidance. And I literally in that chaotic depleted state, I was spending nights a wide awake until two, three, four o'clock in the morning, some nights getting no sleep at all, tossing and turning from stress. And it finally um, clicked to me one day that I would try meditation. I would try it because I had tried everything else and I didn't really think it would work, but I had nothing to lose and I had nothing left to try. So I did. And I got lucky because I a lot of people start meditation and then they're like, this is too hard and they don't follow through. And that's a familiar pattern for me, but for whatever reason, I started and stopped a few times with meditation, but I was always willing to go back to it. And once maybe the third or fourth time that I started again, I stuck with it. And now I'm like, I don't know, I'm well in over, well over a thousand consecutive days of meditating like it's a fat part of the fabric of who I am now and it really helps me hear that inner guidance feel those emotions it gives me a space to feel whatever I'm feeling and to quiet the chatter in my brain and and I'll say that meditation is just like any other part of this journey in that some days it's fabulous and you get right into it and you have this amazing meditation and all like the clouds part and the angels sing and it's like <laughs> yeah. ah. and then other days you I will spend the whole 15 minutes go like with the chatter in my brain and I can't quiet it I just can't and a lot of times I'll go 10 or 15 minutes into that and go yeah this isn't going where I want and I'll just call it a day but I sat down I did the practice you know I put myself there and and I don't get mad at myself about it like some days are better than others. It's, again, it's one of those things that people are like, just quiet your mind and all will be well. And it's like, shut the fuck up. I've got kids knocking on my door. Got, you know, the cat's trying to sit in my lap. And I'm like, it's not, that's not real. Like that's, well, maybe it is for some people. That's not real for me. That's not how my real world yeah. works. Yeah. And I took the teachings and I adjusted it to fit 
my life and my world and, and what works for me. Huge game changer, huge for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's, that's huge. And it's, it's, it's really, I think just shifting how you view life, like in that way that you described of like some days it's going to be great. You're going to, because you've practiced so much, you're going to, you know, it's going to feel easy. And then other days, no matter how much work you've done, you're going to have a hard time. Like, and that's about everything. And the more that we can accept that and um, not try to fight against that, like, and, and avoid it. Cause it's an, it's unavoidable. We can't do anything to change it. And that's okay. Um, mm-hmm. I think, and, and really coming back to like, what's true for us, what works for us more mm-hmm. than someone else, someone else might have a different experience, but I think that that's, that's so key, um, mm-hmm. and, and helpful. Definitely. <laughs> I know we talked a little bit when we first connected about just like relationships and how your mindset can really have an impact on how you, how you experience and how you show up in relationships. Do you, can you talk a little bit about how practicing self-love, how going on this, this journey um, personally has kind of impacted, impacted your um, experience of relationships and, and what they look like? Oh yeah. (laughs) I am a way different person in a relationship now than I was when I got married. I'm 46 now. I got married when I was 22. So two decades plus of, you know, of years. So one of the biggest things I would say is that it's really, I've really come to a place of self-leadership and radical responsibility for my experience. So I'm a firm believer that we create our own experiences. And I know it's so cliche, you create your own reality, but I fully believe that. And I think it's way more nuanced than that, but as a blanket statement, yeah, it's true, you know? Um, And so what's happened is as I'm in relationships now, I'm not looking for, and it doesn't matter if it's a romantic relationship or with my kids or with my ex, you know, my exes, it's like, um, I'm fully responsible for my experience in that relationship. And whether that means setting boundaries and walking away because my boundaries are not being honored, it's, it's not about them following my rules because I think we, we set boundaries up like that. Like, this is my boundary. This is the rule that you have to follow. No, they're sovereign. They get to make their own choices. This mm-hmm. is my boundary. And this is what I'm going to do if, if my boundary is crossed. This is what I'm willing to do. So taking serious responsibility for that and, and self-leadership. It's leading myself. It's me going first. It's me going, I want to feel happy. And I'm going to feel happy first. I'm going to love myself first. And then you're going to bring your happiness and you're going to add it here with me. I'm not going to look to you to be the source of my happiness. Cause I already got that on lock and you can be here and add to it, or you can go away, but either way I'm happy. Yeah. And it, whatever I'm looking for, you know, cause, cause again, it's not a one and done. You don't just take responsibility and then it's over and you've got it, you know, it's magically delicious for the rest of your life. It doesn't work like that. 
because I will still find myself going, he's not paying enough attention to me. Why hasn't he, you know, like a feeling sorry for myself about something or my kids never listen. I've asked him a hundred times to hang up the towels after they get out of the shower and they don't do it. And, and I'll go, well, okay. So what am I missing? Like, what feeling am I searching for here? What emotion am I trying to acquire or bring to myself and how can I give it to myself first you know and and looking at it from that perspective and also going so what if they don't pick up the towel like is that is that the the stick in the spoke that I want to throw me off the bike do I really want to die on that hill or can I just as easily pick the damn towel up off the floor and hang it up myself and go on with my day without having any further discussion about it But at the end of the day, it all comes back to me. What am I willing to do? What am I willing to tolerate? What am I willing to provide for myself? Because I I can't, I can't talk about and teach about self-love and how it comes from within while then putting responsibility on people to fulfill me. Um, Yeah. Sounds kind of counterintuitive, but I guess it works and it really, you know, it really puts you in a place of sovereignty and self-empowerment, right? Totally. No, I was going to say the, the line that really sticks out to me is like, I am not viewing the people around me, whether it's my family or my partner, whoever, to be the source of my happiness. I am the source of my own happiness and mm-hmm. everything else is just an ad. And if it's not an ad, then I have the power to set boundaries or to set expectations to ensure that I'm participating in healthy relationships and have, have the things that, that will continue to make me happy because, because you aren't just like waiting for someone to do something nice. You know, you can like, (laughs) you, you just have that power to, to be in control. It's like, I just think it's like feeling more control and that self-leadership point is is so important too of of you can lead yourself like into these relationships out of them um and and throughout the day like what can you do to make yourself feel better versus waiting for someone else to you know show up on the white horse i think that's the analogy <laughs> the, t- the new taylor Swift albums out this this week <laughs> i have that all in my head but um <laughs> taylor's the best <laughs> Yeah. I'm curious, do you think there's a relationship between self-love and self-leadership? And if so, what is it? Yes, I do. I think, I mean, I want to qualify by saying a lot of people define leadership in myriad ways. So I can't speak to everyone else's definition of self-leadership, but my definition of self-leadership means that I go first. You know, I show up in the energy that I want to be in first. And then I let the people who are also desiring to be in that energy come with me, but I'm not putting a lasso around anyone's neck and bringing them with, with me. You know, I'm just kind of here doing my thing, being who I want, being the change that I want to see, stepping into the life that I want to have, stepping into the roles that I want to play. And I'm going first. And by doing that, people around me are observing me and saying, oh, well, if she can do it, 
maybe I can too, or I want to feel like she feels, or she has this and I want to have that. So yeah, come be in my energy. I'm always going to be there and I'm always going to be going first and I'm always going to be going into the next thing. And when I find myself in that sort of drift where I'm sliding back into the familiar, I'm always going to be the first one to put the oar in the water and go, nope, I'm not going with the drift. I'm paddling my own direction. And I think that I think that you can cultivate self-love and self-leadership simultaneously. I don't think you have to have one first and then the other. I think if you know that that's what you want, you can cultivate them both simultaneously. Yeah. I think that self-love provides an amazingly solid foundation for self-leadership because that self-love piece comes with the confidence to try new things. It comes with the belief that you're worthy and capable and it comes with the grace of forgiving yourself and moving on and being gentle with yourself when things don't go the way you think they're going to go or when you backslide or when you screw it all up because that happens we're human we're not meant to not screw things up so I think they worked you know I think they can be cultivated and inter interlock you know they work together they're yeah two threads woven in the same tapestry, but, but you don't, I don't think you have to have one before the other. I think you can cultivate them simultaneously, intentionally. Yeah. yeah. Cause I definitely think you could go first without necessarily practicing and really acknowledging like the self-love piece about how your worth is like innate. Like, I think you can I think you can be that person who's going, you know, I think there's people who are just born with that spirit of I'm going to go first. I'm going to go in the direction of like what I want, but not necessarily have that like deep knowing, but I think that they work so well in tandem for those who, who resonate with it. Like it's, I think having self-love and knowing and being able to come back to that as just Mm. your baseline can help you feel more comfortable taking those first steps, being the first one, being the only one in some situations to do something. Um, I think it can give you a lot of that strength to, to not care and like, let go of, of that fear of judgment. Like you were saying earlier too. Yeah. Yeah. Or step into it even with the fear of judgment, you know, but yes, I think, I think a lot of times people who are able to be very, um, I think people who are able to show up in that energy of I'll go first, I'll do it, I'll, I will lead the way. I think without the foundation of self-love, that type of leadership can only go so far. Um, yeah. I think the self-love foundation is what makes that type of leadership long-term sustainable leadership because you have to have some baseline of beliefs to fall back on and if you're if you're doing the leadership piece in order to prove your worth in order to prove to people that you're lovable or prove to yourself that you're lovable that's only sustainable for so long you know other at some point it's going to implode on you more likely than not at least that's been my experience in observing other people. Yeah. Yeah. 
when you, when you talk about proving, I think that's such a big (laughs) real thing that I know I, in the past year have come to recognize as like a big part of myself in that I feel like I have to prove and I have to show people um, what I'm doing and why to like justify it. And I'm curious, like you mentioned earlier, this, the like good girl mentality, like, do you think that there's a relationship between feeling like you're, you're good and proving? Do you think that there's a connection there? Oh, definitely. I definitely think that. And, and I think that, you know, whether it's intentional or unintentional, I don't think is relevant, but I think we're on purpose or not, we're trained to be a good girl so that we can prove that we're worthy. And mm. I think in myself coming out, like if I'm going to decline an invitation, I need to provide an explanation. I need to give a reason why, right? This memes all over the world about no is a complete sentence. And like, it's so simple and it's so cliche, but it's so true. And I will find myself trying to prove that I'm not a bad person because I'm saying no by justifying, no, I can't because, and I'll catch myself and be like, no, thank you. Period. Done. Um, Because the expectation is there and people expect an explanation from you. People think you're rude if you don't give an explanation now. So now I got to be willing to not explain myself, not prove my worthiness and be considered rude. And yeah, a lot of self-love and a lot of self-leadership because people do expect that and they don't even realize that they expect it. You know, they don't even realize the, the connotation behind that expectation. Yeah. Oh my God. Even just hearing you talk about that. I feel like it's like, I can feel that like little ripple of anxiety. Cause I've totally been there where it brings up all those feelings of like, am I an asshole? Am I a jerk? Are they going to think I'm like, like, like it's, it's so, it's so like wild how something so normal for people of just saying, Oh no, I'm not, I don't want to do that today. Like, or like, like you don't even have to say that. You're like, it's just like how ingrained it is in people that we need to over explain ourselves. And, and like, again, I think it comes back to that. At least for me, it feels always like it's that I'm trying to control their reaction. I'm trying to control um, what they think of me. And in reality, you can't do that. Even if you have the most perfectly valid explanation like you can't actually control someone else and how they're gonna think but it's like it's that fear of oh my god what are they gonna think if I say no what does that look like does that make me a jerk and it's just yeah I think that it's true I even I over the last few years I've been practicing it with my kids because three three of my kids are adults now and you know even though some of them still live at home, they're adults and they have jobs and they, you know, do their thing and they pay their bills, et cetera. So I've been practicing a lot. And as a mom, this was, and it still is something that I am challenged with is not requiring them to explain themselves to me. You know, they'll say, mom, can I have 40 bucks? And my first reaction is, well, what do you need it for? Like I'm policing how they're spending their money. And if it's a good reason, I'll give you the money. And if it's a bad reason, a quote unquote bad reason, I'm not going to give it to you. And at the end of the day, it's, that's so conditional and it's so conditional. So how about if I look at it, like, do I have $40 and do I want, does it feel good to give it to them? 
If the answer is yes, I give it. No explanation, no conditions, no expectation, nothing. And if it doesn't feel good, then I don't give it. No explanation, no require, you know, nothing. Just, yeah. it's amazing how much simpler life starts to get when you step into it with that mentality of it's either a yes or a no, no explanation, no justification required, like no expectations. Don't, I don't care if you pay me back. If I need the money back, it's going to be a no, because I don't want to put that pressure on our relationship, you know? And it's just a, I'm blown away constantly by how complicated we make stuff as we're trying to prove that we're worthy and lovable. We add just inordinate amounts of complication and complexity to situations that can really be very simple and cut and dried if we would stop trying to prove that we're good enough and stop trying to prove that we're worthy of your love or your attention or your help or, you know, oh my God, it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> I'm like nodding at every word of that because I just think that it's so real of we make things so complicated and we overthink. And in those moments, we we start to spiral of what are they going to think of us? Can I do this? Is what are they going to use it for? Like <laughs> all this stuff. And, and, and to your point, how much simpler is it to just tune into, does it feel good to do this right now or not? And then like, again, not judging how you feel about it, just going on that and believing no mm. matter what, that's not going to jeopardize our relationship. I'm honoring how I feel and that's it. That's enough. Yeah. That's, that's huge. And I think that that's something I'm going to take with me for the rest of this day of like, just using that. Cause I, I think that that's the best we can do. I love that. Yeah. It's a game changer and it's not easy when you've been doing it. Even my kids are like, you know, they'll ask me for something and I'll say no. And they want to say, well, why? Yeah. And I'm like, Cause I've trained them. I've, I've allowed not trained them, but in yeah. a way I have trained them like over 20 years, I've been, well, why, why, you know, you have to tell me I've required an explanation of them. And now all of a sudden I'm like, no explanations required. And they're like, <laughs> what, are you, what have you done with our mom? But, you know, but they'll <laughs> ask me, can, can you know, well, why? Like, and I'm like, no, that just doesn't feel good to me right now. And I, and it's a whole, you know, it's a whole dance. It's required a lot of conversations, a lot of honesty, a lot of mm. figuring it out as we go, navigating. You know, it, it wasn't just one day, all of a sudden it became easy to do that with my kids or the other people around me. Um, but again, I get to decide how much and to whom I want to explain. For my kids, that's important. I'll spend hours talking with them about it because I want them to know what I know. I want to model for them. Yeah, yeah. Other people, no, like just no, just no, that's it. And you know, it it's it's a dance, it's a practice. That's the best way I can say it. It's a practice. You just practice. Yeah. And some days you're on and some days you're not, and it gets easier the more you practice. And yeah. 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 No, I think it's so cool too that you know, you were explaining how you kind of changed from being the person who, who always wanted the explanation, who wanted to, like, that was a normal, um, 
method of engaging in dialogue and like, and then now you've made the shift and now you can teach your kids and explain to them how you've evolved and how your thought process and thinking has evolved. Cause I think that that's like, we're all human. We're all figuring out life as we go. And I think, especially when you're a kid, you think your parents are people who have everything figured out. And like the older I get, the more I'm like, oh my God, like, <laughs> do you ever feel like, you know what you're doing in life? I don't know if you ever will. <laughs> like, I, don't think so. <laughs> I don't think you ever get to that place. My daughter, my daughter said to me the other day about one of her, she's at, in college and she said something about one of her professors. And she was like, God, it was so weird. It was like, she had no idea what was going on. And I was like, I'm sure she had no idea what was going on. <laughs> She's a professor doesn't mean she has it any more figured out than the rest of us. And, and that's okay. Like, it's okay. I think the thing that's been really helpful for me to get to that place of being okay with not having it figured out is the faith that I have in universal consciousness, in, in a higher power. You know, I, I truly have come to a place where I believe that I'm always supported and that the universe is indeed conspiring for my benefit at all times. Yeah. That was a hard belief to implant in myself, but I, I do have that belief. So I do go back to that all the time. Like if I don't give a good enough explanation, this whole thing is going to blow up in my face. And it's like, it might, but it's okay. Cause the universe has your back. You're still supported. Mm -hmm. Even if this blows up in your face mm -hmm. and most of the time it doesn't, but knowing that, like, I would say confidence is not knowing that you can get everything right or knowing that you can do everything. Confidence is knowing that you'll be okay, no matter what happens. And it gives you that, that fortitude to go forward and, and be like, yeah. yeah, this could be a total shit show, but I'm still going to be okay anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So. I like to remind myself sometimes because it's, it's true. We get so hyper-focused on like this one situation and, and, you know, that moment where we're like feeling the urge to over-explain or just feeling anxiety about a small thing in our lives. It's like, something I try to do for myself is like, will I remember this in six months? Like if yeah. not, then like, why am I spending so much time agonizing and making myself miserable <laughs> and feeling so uncomfortable for so long? Cause I, you know, you, it, it can drag out to be like five, 10, 20 minutes. And it's like, if I'm not going to even care about this in a month or six or a year, then like, there's no point. Um, the big <laughs> picture can be comforting <laughs> in those moments like that. I do this thing with myself. This is, this is a test of fortitude for you. You know, when you reply to a text message and you erase it 47 times <laughs> yes. before yes. you send it and like add words in and take this words out and add punctuation in, I've been practicing literally just typing the first thing that comes out and sending it just like that. Yeah. No thought given. It is terrifying it's terrifying and it's so liberating at the same time because most of the time nothing happens it's right. like right okay I accept that response I accept that like people are not critiquing your replies the way that you think you are the way that you think they are and when when I was able to get to that place of like just 
first of all, feeling like I was such a rebel that I wasn't editing or like, you know, monitoring my response or overthinking it. Like I was like, I'm so rebellious, just sending <laughs> the first thing that comes out of my, my little fingers. And, <laughs> and then to see that the world did not fall apart, nothing bad happened. And I spoke my truth and it was accepted. Like that's the piece right there. I just typed my truth. I typed what was on my heart. I typed the first thing that came out, which is my most raw, unedited, authentic response. And it was accepted. Like, wow, yeah, that is powerful. I recommend that exercise to anyone who is brave enough to take it on. I was going to say, I feel like I needed to hear that because like, I don't know if I've done it recently, but I've definitely been guilty of sitting at my phone and being like, I think I want to reach out to someone, but like, I don't know what to say. And the, the editing, like it, it's a whole thing. <laughs> I'll even tell you, I've gone as far as to write it out in a Google doc and then copy and paste it into my text message from my phone. I'm not really proud of that, but I've done it because I wanted it to be just the right answer. And it's like, right. the right answer is the one that's true, that's authentic, that's real, that comes from my heart space, yeah. whatever it is, not the Webster's Dictionary edited, you know, re-edited and re-edited publishable in paperback version. That's, that's not <laughs> it. Like there's a time and a place for that, right? But when you're talking to someone with whom you have a relationship, take the, take the, the veils off, like, let it be real, let it be real. And how good it feels to just be accepted for all your raw, messy, real, authentic, original, weird ass, misunderstandable shit. Like it's, it's like, damn. Yeah. So good. Yeah. I love that. Well, thank you for everything you've shared, Katie. This has been a great conversation. Um, how can folks work with you, get in touch with you? Are you working on anything special <laughs> coming up? Yes. So, um, oh gosh. Okay. So yeah, I'm on social medias as Saltwater and Soulfire. This is my, you know, Saltwater and Soulfire is my company. It's my, it's not a company. It's a whole community. It's a whole movement of self-love and women's empowerment. And so I'm, I'm on Facebook um, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok as Saltwater and Soulfire. So you can find me there um, right now. And currently I have relaunched an online course called the Sanity Series, and it is 10 modules. It's an online uh, self-study course, but there's so much material. And it's really, I described earlier in the podcast, that point at which I was depleted and desperate and, and downtrodden and just newly discovering spirituality. These are 10 modules about really the shifts and the mindset changes and the practices that I put in place for myself to move out of that spot where I was. It's, it's got stuff about law of attraction. It has a module about manifesting. It has a module about emotions and tapping into our emotional guidance. It, has a module about boundaries and expectations. Like it's everything, it's soup to nuts. And it's really what I did to regain my sanity. So it's called the Sanity Series. It's um, 
It's at a really low price right now for the month of April. It's on my website. You can get it now. Coming in May, we're going to jack the price up because it's just, it's too good. <laughs> it's so <Yeah>. good. <laughs> like, I want to give this away for free, but it's, that's not really authentic to myself, right? Because this is my work and I love it. But you know what I'm saying? It's so, yeah, the Sanity Series is on my website, which is saltwaterandsoulfire.com. And um, it's absolutely fabulous. But I would love to hear from people. Come find us on Facebook. You know, find me on Instagram. I, I love to connect. Reach out to me. Send me a message. Ask me a question. I, I would love to hear from people. It's, this is, this is everything to me. This is what I, I have dedicated my life to because it matters so much. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely does. And we definitely need more people like you doing this work. So thank you for everything and just being so warm and welcoming and, and willing to share. Thank I appreciate you so it. much for having me. This has been so much fun. I love it. I'm just so honored to be here. And I really appreciate this opportunity. Thank you. Of course. Thank you. Thank you.